Articles by Desiring God Two Kinds of Pastors Christ Blend for Healthy Churches Written and read by David Mathis Some churches plant light. That's what we did in early 2015. Our mother church sent us out with four founding pastors, all of us working full-time jobs elsewhere. The arrangement gave us remarkable flexibility in our first year. Our ongoing costs were very low, essentially just renting a high school auditorium, buying bread and wine for weekly communion, and providing the lead planter with a modest stipend since he shouldered more responsibility than the other three of us. However, as we grew, we soon realized our fledgling church was developing needs that four unpaid pastors were struggling to cover. We needed at least one of us to put aside his day job and be our first full-time paid pastor, that is, make it his breadwinning vocation. We needed at least one man at this stage to give his primary work time and attention to our young church for it to be healthy. Thankfully, the risen Christ provided. And in time, as the church has grown and needs have changed, we've received additional staff pastors to fill out and strengthen our pastoral team. Three years after we launched, a dear sister church of ours planted Staff Heavy with three founding pastors, all of them paid. It was a financial load to carry at launch. They were more strapped for funds than a staff light model, but their young congregation received unusual deposits of pastoral time and attention. They've made it too. And along the way, Christ has added to their number non-staff pastors to fill out and strengthen their pastoral team. Whether staff heavy or staff light initially, Most churches discover in time the need for a healthy blend of both paid and unpaid leaders. The nature of the church lends itself to needing both in due course, not only plants and younger churches, but also older and more established congregations. Even churches with staff-only polities learn to lean heavily on key laymen who come to function in various pastoral capacities, even if they're never called pastor, elder, or overseer. In any case, These pastor elders, Ephesians 4.11 says, are gifts from the risen Christ for the good of his church. He gave the shepherd teachers. And these gifts come in two basic kinds. Some paid, some unpaid. Search the New Testament and you will not find two types of pastor elders according to function. That is, teaching versus ruling. But you will find two sources of pastoral revenue from the church or from other work. And with it comes the greater or lesser investment of time and energy. All pastor elders feed, that is teach, and lead, that is govern. But some give part or all of their revenue generating work life to the church, while others formally labor in vocations outside the church. Both can prove vital to healthy churches in the long run. We should clarify that in the New Testament, pastor equals elder equals overseer. These are three names for the one lead or teaching office in the local church, flanked by a second assisting office called deacon. Elder is the same office often called pastor today, based on the noun pastor or shepherd in Ephesians 4.11 and its verb forms in Acts 20.28 in 1 Peter 5.2. This same lead office is also called overseer, in four other places. Within that group of pastor-elder-overseers, we find two kinds of pastors, we might say. Two texts in Paul's letters in particular, both leaning on the words of Christ, 
established the categories for these two types of leaders, some paid, some not. Laborers deserve their wages. First, leaning on Jesus, Paul establishes in 1 Corinthians 9 a right for other gospel workers to receive pay while not claiming it for himself, which is vintage Paul. It's fitting that a tent maker construct the argument. Neither Christian maturity nor love insists on its own rights. And so Paul lays out the case for others, for pastors in his day and ours. He writes, The Lord Jesus commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.14 Where did Jesus say that? We have it in Luke chapter 10, verse 7, and Matthew 10.10. The laborer deserves his wages. In the second text, Paul quotes the same words again in 1 Timothy 5.17-18. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Observe carefully, because this is often missed, that the distinction among elders here is labor, not teaching. Paul does not say that all elders rule, but only some teach. Rather, the emphasis is labor, that is, in context, working full-time, or making a living as elders. We know from elsewhere that ruling, or leading, and teaching, feeding, are the two main tasks of the pastor elders. All elders rule and teach, but not all labor at this calling, as Paul makes plain in the explanation that follows. For the laborer deserves his wages. What is double honor? What then is this double honor that is especially for those who labor, that is professionally, at the ruling and teaching work of pastoral ministry? Double honor means both, one, the honor of deserved respect as faithful leaders, and two, the honor of deserved remuneration or payment for the work. Good pastors are worthy, not only of the church's respect, but also of financial support and especially if they are doing this labor and not other breadwinning work. Paul's language here is precise. Being considered worthy means some elders may receive pay from the church and others not. Neither he nor Christ require that all pastor elders be paid or all unpaid, but he does establish a principle that is applicable to churches and pastors everywhere. 1 Timothy 5.18 argues with the word for that it is justice, not kindness or mercy, for a church to doubly honor its pastors with both respect and remuneration. Some will receive that right and bless the church through their willingness to give their work life, their career, to the church's needs. And others, like Paul himself, will forego that right and bless the church by supporting themselves and the church through labors other than pastoral ministry. In this healthy mix of both paid and unpaid, staff and non-staff pastors, we want to keep two truths in mind, truths that correspond to the two functions of pastor elders in the New Testament. All pastors lead and feed. First, all pastor elders are teachers. Able to teach is at the heart of the 1 Timothy 3 qualifications 
and the culminating assertion of the Titus list. The Christian faith is a teaching movement, and its leaders are teachers, equipped, eager, and effective teachers, or the church languishes. All elders are teachers, feeding the congregation through teaching in its various forms and settings, but some labor at their preaching and teaching. We might here permit a practical distinction between teaching and preaching, such that some elders, while manifestly teachers, may not gravitate to preaching. Healthy churches need far more teaching than just a weekly sermon. All elders teach, but not all labor full-time at pastoral ministry. The point is the amount of labor, and thus the necessity of remuneration, not a division of gifting among the elders as if some were able to teach and others not. As this works out over time in the life of the church, it is often those who labor as a career in pastoral ministry who are most equipped through formal training and having the time to adequately study and prepare, who therefore often carry more of the teaching and especially the preaching demands. But this doesn't mean that non-staff pastor elders are not teachers. If they have no interest in teaching, or no availability for it, then they are simply not good fits for the church's lead office, which is a teaching office. But, if qualified, they may serve well in the assisting office, that of deacon. Teaching remains at the heart of the pastoral calling, paid and unpaid. And let this also be clear. The pastors are called to more than teaching, to overseeing, governing, prayer, and other critical aspects of local church leadership. Pastor elders are not only teachers, but also overseers who do more than teach, yet without letting their teaching take a back seat. Such are the tensions we live in for this age. On the one hand, pastors should not give in to carnal pressures to do a thousand other tasks than preaching and teaching. On the other hand, it is naive to think they can only preach and teach. Pastors are called neither to a thousand tasks nor to one alone. But at the heart of the elder's calling is teaching, whoever writes his regular paycheck. Time and attention, not gifting. To be sure, laboring outside the church doesn't mean not laboring at all in the church through teaching and leading, but it does mean less labor, because good teaching and preaching make for emotionally difficult work and require training and study and careful preparation And because teaching is central to the pastoral calling, it makes sense that often paid pastors do more of the teaching, and perhaps especially the preaching in the context of worship. However, we also observe that the paid pastors, because it's their day job, do more of all the work of pastoral ministry. They also provide more oversight and contribute more to the day-in, day-out aspects of the leading in the life of the church. So yes, It will often be the case that paid pastors, who pastor for more hours, also do more teaching. However, correspond as it may, it would be a mistake to correlate paid ministry with teaching and unpaid ministry with mere ruling. The distinction, then, between two kinds of elders is not gifting, but time and attention. An unpaid elder may be more gifted at teaching than a full-time paid elder. Either way, as a pastor, neither is relieved of teaching or ruling. Paid and unpaid leadership may make for two kinds of pastors, but only one office of pastor elder and only one 
pastoral team. Paid and unpaid gifts. In the end, we see that both paid and unpaid pastor elders are gifts from the risen Christ to his church. And he has his own particular blend for varying seasons in the lives of his churches. For my limited vantage, I doubt churches will thrive in the long haul with all their pastors paid or all unpaid for that matter. Given the nature of the church, pastoral teams function best over time when composed of some wise blend of both paid and unpaid leaders. In the good times, the more staff pastors, the better. They are Christ's gift to his church in giving their full-time work life and primary labor and energy to the church and its mission. However, especially in leaner seasons, when there is tension within the church or even within the staff, the more unpaid pastors, the better. Because these men do not draw their livelihood from the church, they can be a stabilizing influence in conflicted times and, depending on the church structure, less personally and vocationally beholden to the lead pastor. So too, when seasons of transition come and paid pastors transition, particularly the lead pastor, the balance of unpaid pastors can contribute greatly to stability during change. It is an amazing gift to a church when a man is willing and eager to give his life's work, his career, to full-time Christian ministry. And it's also an amazing gift that a man in another line of work would give himself to sufficient training and equipping and then give many of his evenings and weekends and often important moments during the work week to unpaid Christian ministry. Both kinds of pastors are gifts from Jesus to build and keep his church. For more resources, visit DesiringGod.org.